You are listening to the Grace Covenant Cornelius Audio Podcast. We are uh, continuing the series that we started last week. And as I said last week, my goal is not so much to preach to you as it is to have a conversation with you. As we're talking about questions, because how many of you know in life you have questions, right? And at times, maybe you feel like I feel like I have more questions than I have answers. Um, And at times, though I fully trust God and I know God's good, I know God's on my side, I know he's working for my good, I still have questions, things I don't understand. And and I'm certain it's probably true for you as well. So we're in this series talking about everyday questions. In case you were not here last week, I attempted to answer two questions being, why does bad things happen to good people? And... Why are our prayers not always answered? So if you, if you missed that last week, you can always go online, check out our, our podcast and pick up what we talked about, about last week. But this morning, as we continue this series, we want to look at two more questions that we wrestle with as we're processing life and as we're confronted with this, as we're confronted with the reality, the reality of death. You know, oftentimes I think we're confused and we believe that we are physical beings having like this limited spiritual experience when actually it's the opposite. We're spiritual beings having a temporary physical experience. Turn to your neighbor and say, hey, you're a spiritual being. First and foremost, created in the image and likeness of God, we are, we are spiritual beings. And one day... No, not real happy to talk about, but it is a reality. One day, your heart's going to stop beating. One day, you're going to take your last breath, and that's going to be the end of your physical existence. That's going to be the end of your time on earth, but that's not going to be the end of you. Because the part of you that's the real you is going to live on forever. And so we're going to, we're going to talk about that. This one is a humorous story of a, of a five-year-old girl who was coming home from her grandmother's funeral. And she was in the car with her other grandmother. And, you know, these five-year-olds often are full of all kinds of questions. And so this little girl asked her, her other grandmother, said, where's Grandma Jo at? And the grandmother said, well, we believe that she's with, with God in, in heaven. The little girl didn't ask another question. She said, well, how old was Grandma Joe? And, and the grandmother responded, well, she was 80 years old. The little girl then asked another question. She said, well, Grandma, how old are you? And she said, well, I'm 83. Uh, and you could see the little girl's brain kind of, kind of processing this. And she thought about it for a minute. And she said, Grandma, do you think God's forgotten you? <laughs> well, obviously, God hasn't forgotten any of us, right? However, we do have, here's the reality, we do have different lifespans, we have different giftings, we have different assignments, but we all have one thing in common, and that one thing we all hold in common is one day we're going to cease to exist. If Jesus Christ doesn't return, and we say, come quickly, Lord Jesus, amen? But if Jesus Christ doesn't return, then we're all going to come to the same ends someday. It's been said that death is the great equalizer. doesn't matter what you've gathered, what you've achieved, what you have, one day... One day you're going to come to the place where you lay all of that down as you cease to exist. Uh, and then what happens? I think that's the big question. You know, in the past 10 days, I've conducted two funerals and I've attended a third. Uh, I get to do a lot of funerals. And every time I do a funeral, it, it serves as a great reminder for me. And this is what I'm reminded of every time I do a funeral is that life is short. Life is fragile. And life is temporary. It's a great reminder. 
Uh, maybe if, if sometime you want to do a funeral for me, I'll let you. And you can be reminded of that. Uh, we'll set you up. But life is short. Life is fragile and life is temporary. I, I really like the way Pastor Rick Warren states this in his book, The Purpose Driven Life. A great book if you haven't read it. I would, I would highly recommend it. But early on in the book, he makes this statement. Listen as I read. He says, this life is not all there is. Life on earth is just the dress rehearsal before the real production. You'll spend far more time on the other side of death in eternity than you will here. Earth is the staging area, the preschool, the tryout for your life in eternity. It's the practice workout before the actual game. It's the warm-up lap before the race begins. This life is preparation for the next. At most, you'll live 100 years on earth, but you'll spend forever in eternity. The question for us, though, is like, how will that happen and, and what, will I, what will that be like? And hopefully this morning I'm going to be able to shed some light on those two questions. But as we think about the life we're living, we certainly love life, don't we? And we run from death. As a matter of fact, one of, one of the number one fears of human beings is what? Death. It's the fear of death. Because of, I think, because of the unknown. But again, the reality is, we're all going to come to that end. If Jesus Christ doesn't return, we're all going to come to that end. I mean, the statistics are pretty amazing. 100% of people die. That means this. No one, no one lives forever. See, we all have an expiration date. We don't like to think about that. We, we just don't know when it is. But again, unless Jesus returns, one of these days we're going to come. We're going to come to that end. And although we don't know the date as to when Jesus is returning or when we're going to cease to exist, what we should do is always live ready. That's most significant that you would catch that. We want to live ready for the return of Christ. Or we want to live ready whenever that day might come. And how do we live ready? I think we live ready by tenaciously serving Jesus and tenaciously serving others. I mean, Jesus said it like this. The greatest of the commandment is, is the what? To love, right? So we, well, we want to be living our life. We want to live our lives ready. But here's the big question. What, ha- what happens when we die? You know, in recent years, there's been a number of books written about individuals who have come close to death or died and had these, uh, these experiences in heaven. And then they've come back to write about, to tell their story about what heaven was like. Books like 90 Minutes in Heaven. Any, any of you read that? 90 Minutes in Heaven, a few, yeah, or Heaven is Real. Now, these books have become runaway bestsellers in the Christian community and even broader than the Christian community because people want to know, like, what's going to happen, right? What's, what's Heaven going to be like? So individuals have, have bought these books, and I'm not against the books. I think they're good reads. Um, however, if you read a number of them, what you're going to find is they begin to contradict each other. Therefore, they, they can't be fully accurate. So we don't want to take these books and individuals' experiences that they're writing about and build our theology of heaven or our theology of the afterlife from those books, if they're contradictory, right? What we want to do is we always want to go back to God's Word. What does God's Word have to say about heaven? What does God's Word have to say about the afterlife? We always want to build doctrine, sound doctrine, from the authority of God's Word. And we're going to look at that this morning because God's Word has some things to say about the afterlife, some things to say about, about heaven. And so we're going to dig into some of that this morning. But 
Um, we looked at this verse last week, and I want to bring it back because it, it emphasizes the fact that we are limited human beings. We are limited in our understanding. And so we're trying to fully comprehend things that are beyond our comprehension. Paul says it like this in 1 Corinthians thirteen twelve. He says, now we see but a poor reflection is in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I'm fully known. Then, speaking of eternity, Paul says, then I'm going to know. Then I'm going to see clearly. But in the present reality, it's like we're looking through a glass and, and it's clouded and we can, we can kind of see some images. We can kind of make some things out. But it's like we don't always fully understand. We don't always have all the answers we want. But what we, can, what we can be certain of is this, is that when we die, that death is not the end of our existence. Death is not the end. It's the end of your time on earth, but it's not the end of your existence. Because we, we are created as three-part beings, spirit, soul, and body. Spirit, soul, and so you're made up of spirit, soul, and body. So when your heart stops beating and you take your last breath, the physical part of you, the body part of you dies, but your spirit and soul, if you're a believer, your spirit and soul is separated from your body. We believe instantly, and at that moment, you're in the presence of Jesus in a place called heaven. So what's clear from Scripture is that an individual's destiny can be different based upon the decision they make while they're living. In other words, what we find in Scripture is there's two destinies for humanity. One's pleasant to talk about, one's not pleasant to talk about. One's a place called heaven, the other's a place called hell. And, and it hinges on this. Your, your experience after your body ceases to exist and your spirit and soul is separated from your body, your destiny is going to be determined by what you do with Jesus Christ. Now let me give you a few scriptures, and we're going to look at a lot of scriptures this morning, so you can jot some of these down if they're not in your notes. But in John 3.16, we would all be familiar, I think, with that passage of scripture. It says this, For God so loved the world, He gave His one and only Son, that whoever would believe in Him would have what? Eternal life. So speaking of life beyond this life, eternal life. Eternal life is provided, is available, is the promise of all of those who believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who was crucified and resurrected. And then John chapter 11, another interesting passage of Scripture. John chapter 11, Lazarus has died. And so Jesus is comforting Lazarus' sisters, Martha and Mary. And what we know is eventually Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. But before he raises Lazarus from the dead, I want you to listen to what he says to Martha. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Never die. Well, speaking of the life we have as we believe in Christ the Savior. And then in John 3.36 Jesus said these words, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Want eternal life? How do you get eternal life? You believe in the Son. He goes on to say, but whoever rejects the Son, rejects the provision of Christ, will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him. So again, Jesus makes it clear that there's two separate destinies that are experienced when someone dies. What they experience is going to be determined by 
how they responded to the provision of Christ. To receive the provision of Christ. To receive salvation means not only abundant life, but eternal life. To reject the provision means this. We're separated from God. We're separated from Christ for all eternity. So let's look at these two different destinies. Because when we ask this question, what happens when someone dies? Because there's two different possibilities, we have to look at both possibilities. So first let's talk about what happens when a believer dies? What happens when someone who's put their faith in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior takes their last breath? Well, what Scripture would tell us is this. The moment you take your last breath, your spirit and soul depart from your body and you're present with Jesus in heaven. Although, as I said earlier, your physical body ceases to exist, the part of you that makes up the real you, your spirit and soul will instantly be with Jesus. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1, I want you to listen to what the Apostle Paul wrote. He says, Now we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. So the earthly tent he's speaking of here is our physical body. He says, if this physical body is destroyed, he said, hey, not a problem, because we have an eternal home in heaven that's been provided for us. Now we have a couple illustrations of, of this in Scripture where we see the death, the end of a physical existence, but the spirit and soul separating. Uh, let me just give you a couple of stories, a couple of references. And when Jesus was crucified, so Scripture records for us that there were two individuals crucified when Jesus was crucified. Remember the story. There were two, what, two criminals, one on his right, one on his left. Two men who were guilty, who were being executed with Jesus who was not guilty. And the scripture tells us that one of the criminals hurled insults, yelled out insults at Jesus, basically saying, hey, if you're the son of God, why don't you save yourself and save us too? The other criminal addressing the criminal who was insulting Jesus says, don't you realize that we are getting what we deserve? We're being rightly punished, but this man, Jesus, he's not done anything to deserve this punishment. And then he says to Jesus, Jesus, remember me. Interesting. This is what Jesus says to the thief on the cross. He says, today, get this, today you're going to be with me in paradise. In other words, when you take your last breath and when your death happens, this cross that you're hanging on, you're going to be with me. You're going to be in my presence in paradise. And here's a, here's a second illustration we have in Scripture. It's the story of Stephen. Stephen was the first martyr. You look through the history of the early church. He was the first individual who, who was murdered, who was martyred for his belief in Christ, for his proclaiming of Jesus as the Messiah. Acts chapter 7. I actually want to turn there and read this passage of Scripture for you. So if you have your Bibles, you can look with me. Acts 7. So, so Stephen has been preaching the gospel. We have these... Um, these Israelites who are angry at Stephen, and so they're going to stone him, beginning with verse 54. The scripture says, Acts 7, 54, it says, When they heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I've seen heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this, they covered their ears, yelling at the top of their voices. They all rushed at him and dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. 
Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. And while they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, get this, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. In other words, he died. He said, Lord, remember my spirit. And so at that moment, as Stephen was stoned, as he ceased to exist physically, but his spirit and his soul was present with Jesus. So what we can, what we can believe and what we know to be true is the same, as, the same would be true for us. When your physical body ceases to exist, if you put your faith in Jesus Christ, then your spirit and soul is going to depart and you are going to be present with Jesus in a place called heaven. You're going to get to enjoy the wonder of this place that's been prepared for you. In just a moment, I'm going to talk a little bit about what heaven's going to be like as I attempt to answer the second question. But, but let me say to you this morning, if given the choice between the destiny of heaven or hell, you always would want to choose heaven, right? That's the best. Turn to your neighbor and say, hey, choose heaven. Go ahead and tell them. Because what we know from Scripture is that heaven, heaven will be a place of rejoicing, but hell's going to be a place of torment. We know that heaven's going to be a place of reward. Hell's going to be a place of consequence. Heaven's going to be a place of gain. Hell's going to be a place of pain. As believers, those who put their faith in Christ, we can be confident as we end our lives on this earth, not only are we with Jesus, but we're in this place called heaven. But then what happens to our physical bodies? What happens to the the tent, the earthly tent we're living in, that's buried or that's cremated? It's like God's not finished with your earthly body. Because what we know from Scripture, and this this becomes a little difficult for us to comprehend, kind of a little difficult to put together, but at the resurrection of the dead, when Jesus Christ returns, you're going to receive a glorified, perfect body. In other words, that body that was buried is going to be resurrected. And it's going to be reunited with your spirit and soul. Now, there's, there's different points of uh, theology on this, different points of doctrine, so not everyone would agree with what I'm about to say. And I'm okay with that. But this is my belief. My belief is I, I'm not going to spend eternity, or I'm not going to spend time in heaven until the return of Jesus in some disembodied state. I believe my spirit and soul is going to have a temporary heavenly body. And then when the rapture happens, Paul talks about this in 1 Thessalonians 4 and in 1 Corinthians 15. When the rapture happens and when Jesus comes back for his church, the scripture tells us that the dead in Christ, those who have died who were believers, the dead in Christ are going to be raised first. And then those who are still alive are going to be caught up to meet Jesus in the air. And what we would call what we know as being the rapture. Matter of fact, listen as I read this. 1 Thessalonians 4 verses 16 and 17. Let me give you the context. Paul's writing to the, Thessalon- to the, Thess- the believers at Thessalonians because they're concerned about uh, individuals who have died. Because they've, they've been living. like Jesus is going to come back any day. He's not come back yet. And we've had some family members and friends who've died. What about them? What's going to happen? Like we buried them. What's going to happen to them? And so Paul's answering that question as he's writing this letter, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16, says, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of an archangel, with a trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. 
After that, we who are still alive and left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And then in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul talks about how the perishable must take on the imperishable. The mortal takes on immortality. So the body that's buried is one day, and again, I don't know. I don't know how all of this is going to happen. Um, But somehow God's going to take bodies that have decayed, bodies that's been cremated. He's going to bring those together. and, And those who are dead in Christ are going to rise first. And then those who are alive, if that happens for us in our lifetime, the return of Christ will be caught up into the air. And then we'll enjoy eternity with Jesus forever. So my point in all of this is, is this, as, as believers, I would want you to know that we can live with great hope and we can die with great hope. We can live with great hope and die with great hope. Why? Because of the provision of Jesus Christ. So we, we see what happens to believers when they die. So let's talk about the other side. Let's talk about what happens to unbelievers. Individuals who've not received Christ as their Savior. For those who reject Jesus, they'll be eternally separated from God and spend eternity in torment. Paul gives us some insight into this horrible reality. In Romans chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. It, it's, I think it's on the screen. Yeah. It says, but for those who are self-seeking, those who reject the truth. Who do we know to be truth? Jesus Christ. For those who reject truth, the truth of Christ, and follow evil, notice there will be wrath and anger. There will be trouble and distress for every human being who does evil first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. For the individuals who reject the provision of Jesus Christ and choose to go their own way and do their own thing, they're going to experience eternal death, not eternal life. So what happens when we die is really determined by the choice we make while we're living. To receive Jesus Christ and live for Him holds for us this promise. The promise of eternity in a place that's beyond definition. To reject Christ, to reject the provision of Christ means this. That you'll be separated from Jesus for eternity in a place of torment. So as we think of that reality, death can either be a time of celebration... I mean, the two funeral services I conduct in the last 10 days were believers who had walked with Jesus for years. We grieve, but we celebrated. Why do we celebrate? Because they're present with Jesus. So celebrating the hope, the, the hope we have. So it can be a time of celebration or it can be a time of deep regret. It all depends, it all depends on how someone responds to Jesus Christ. So that then leads me right into the second question I want to answer hopefully in the next six or seven minutes. And it's this question, what will heaven be like? So if you're a believer, when you die, you're going to be in a place called heaven for all eternity. So what's heaven going to be like? Now, we don't know all of the details, but the Bible gives us some glimpses, some insights, some understanding as to what heaven will be like and what you and I will experience. As Jesus was getting ready to leave the disciples to go the way of the cross, he told them that he was leaving. And the scripture says they they were grieved, they were distraught. And he comforted them with these words, John chapter 14, verses 1 through 3. Jesus said this, he said, let not your hearts be troubled. 
you believe in God, believe also in me. And in my Father's house are, are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'm going to come back so that you might be where I am. Jesus made it very clear that he was going to prepare a way. How did he prepare the way? Through the cross. Through the cross. Through giving his life that we might have life. And he also said, I'm going to prepare a place. And the place is called heaven. So Jesus has prepared a place for us. And then the Apostle Paul in Philippians 3.20, Paul makes this statement. He says, but our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a Savior from there, our Lord Jesus Christ. So if you can think of it like this, as believers, we have a dual citizenship. A dual citizenship. First, we're citizens of the United States of America, right? Yeah. We belong in this, and we're citizens of this nation. But if you're a believer, you're also, Paul is a citizen of heaven. And one day we're going to lay down our citizenship of this nation, and we're going to become permanent citizens in a place called heaven. And Paul says, listen, you're just passing through. You're citizens of another place. A place called heaven. So what will heaven be like? I'm just going to quickly walk you through four or five statements as to what I believe heaven's going to be like. First, heaven's going to be a place of perfection. There'll be no sickness, no sorrow, no pain. Listen, friends, cancer won't be present in heaven. Amen. Can I get an amen on that? Amen. Arthritis won't be present in heaven. High blood pressure will not be a problem. Why? Because heaven is a place of perfection. It's a place where there's no, there's no sickness, no sorrow. Our days of pain and suffering will be over as we're enjoying this place that has been provided for us. Can a place called heaven. In Revelation chapter 21 verse 4 speaks about heaven. Listen as I read this. The scripture says, He, being Jesus, will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. So first, what do we know? Heaven's going to be a place of perfection, where there's not the issue of sin or the problems that sin has created. Place of perfection. Not only is heaven going to be a place of perfection, I believe that heaven's going to be a place of reunion. We'll be reunited with family members and friends, and we'll know each other. We'll know each other. We'll get to celebrate with with one another. Individuals you know now as believers, one day you'll get to meet them again. It's not like we're going to get to heaven and like, I, hey, I don't know anyone. No, you're going to know folks. You're going to know folks that you've been doing life with, that you've been serving Jesus with. Why? Because heaven is going to be like a big family reunion. Get this, without all the drama. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, right? Without all the drama. We know this to be true, and I could give you a number of, a number of scriptures, but in, in Matthew 17, we have the transfiguration where Jesus was on, on, on the mount with, with Peter, James, and John, and, and, he, and he has this, it, this heavenly experience, this glorified experience, and we have Elijah and Moses who show up. And it's interesting that Pete, James, and John didn't have to say, and who, got, who are you? They knew exactly he knew exactly who Moses and Elijah was. Peter says, hey, Jesus, do you mean to build three shelters here? One for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. And Peter didn't know what else to say. He was always saying the wrong thing. So he's trying to say something that made sense. But 
But they knew who he was. And then interesting, in Matthew 26, 19, Jesus told his disciples as he's celebrating the Last Supper with them, he says, I'll not drink of this, the fruit of this vine until the day I drink it in a, in a new way in my Father's kingdom with you. In other words, Jesus said, hey, to the disciples, hey, when we get to heaven, we're going to do some eating and drinking. Amen. Isn't that good news? In heaven, we're going to eat apple pie with no calories, all that you want, right? <laughs> and we're going to get to do that with friends and family members. Why? Because heaven's going to be a place of reunion. Not only will it be a place of reunion, but heaven's going to be a place of worship. We'll join the angels in worship of God. Now, I can't be exactly certain of this, but I believe when I get to heaven, I'm going to be able to sing on key, and it's going to be amazing. (laughs) You'll even like my singing when I get to heaven. All jokes aside, if you look to Scripture, one of the things that's interesting, in almost every description you find in Scripture, about heaven worship is happening. Why? Because the almighty God is there. And you read in the book of Revelation how the angels and the 24 elders are around the throne and there's, there's endless worship happening. Now you, you, you may be wondering, well, is that all we're going to do in heaven is worship? And, and I think the answer to that is, is yes and no. Matter of fact, if you, want a, if you want a great read on heaven, Randy Alcorn, it's, it's quite a thick book. But he has, he has done a really good work on heaven. But uh, will we just worship forever and that's all we do? And, and I would say yes and no. Knowing that we're going to be doing other things. I, I believe in heaven we're going to be working, we're going to be learning, we're going to be relaxing, um, we're going to be fellowshipping. Uh, I believe there's a lot of things that we're going to be doing in heaven. So no, and that... That's worship's not all we're going to do, but yes, and that everything we going to, everything we do is going to be centered around who God is. Therefore, it is worship. So I, I do believe we'll be worshiping throughout heaven. I mean, we'll be worshiping throughout eternity. Not that we're all going to be just singing throughout eternity, but we're going to be engaged. Um, we're going to be engaged in serving God and serving with God. So heaven's a, heaven's a place of worship. I, I think also. Really important, heaven is going to be a place of reward. And Scripture makes this very clear, that we'll be rewarded for our service on earth. 1 Corinthians 3.8, Paul talks about, and each man will be rewarded. And, and Luke 6.21 and 22, Jesus talks about, Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, because great will be your reward in heaven. So heaven's going to be a place of reward. So hear me, friends. What you're doing here and now really matters. What you're doing with your time, your treasures, and your talent really matters. Because listen, we all get to heaven the same way through the provision of Christ. But I happen to believe that the experience of heaven is not going to be the same for everyone. Because the scripture says we're going to be rewarded according to our works. So heaven's a place of reward and then kind of connected to that. I also believe heaven is a place of assignment. That we're going to have assignments in heaven. We're going to have responsibilities in heaven. Now don't think about it like your place of work today where you get up, oh, i got to go to work again. No, think about the greatest work you've ever done that you can't wait to get to every day and every moment of what you're doing. It is like so delightful. I believe that's what heaven's going to be like. That we'll have assignments, we'll have responsibilities. 
Why? We are serving God and serving with God in this place called heaven. In Matthew 25, in the parable of the talents, if you'll recall the parable, the, the master goes away and leaves his goods with three servants, and then he comes back and calls them to account. Two of the servants are faithful. One of the servants is unfaithful. Two servants are rewarded. One servant is rebuked. But to the two servants who were faithful, I want you to listen to the commendation that's given to them. Matthew 25, Jesus said, Well done, thy good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Just as the servants were rewarded for being faithful in their assignment, so I believe that we will also have places of assignment. But again, it's not going to be work that you hate. It's going to be work that's unbelievable. And assignments that you're going to enjoy throughout eternity. Listen, it's safe to say that we won't be bored in heaven. I believe that heaven is going to be like the most exciting, adventure-filled place your mind can even imagine, multiplied by trillions. It's this we have to look forward to as believers. It's the hope we have. It's the hope we have in life. It's the hope we have in death. There's a story, a story of a, a young lady who was of strong faith and was diagnosed with cancer. She was in her 30s. Went to see her doctor, and the doctor said, I'm sorry, but it's not, it's not good. Bad news. That you have two or three months at the most to live. I would encourage you to go home and set your affairs in order. So this young lady went home and called her pastor and said, Pastor, I went to see the doctor today, and it wasn't good. The news is bad. He says, I only have a short time to live. I would like to go ahead and, and plan my funeral service. Would you mind coming over? and Let's put some things on paper. And, the pastor grabbed his, his notepad, his pen, and went over and sat down in the living room, a cup of coffee, and they began to talk about scriptures that would be read, songs that would be sung, individuals that would speak. As they were coming to the end of their conversation, the pastor closed his notepad, set it aside, and the young lady said, oh, there's, there's one other thing. So, um, so as my body is in the casket, said, I, I want to have my favorite Bible in my right hand, and but I want you to make sure I have a fork in my left hand. And the pastor was like, what? Like, I understand the Bible, but what, what's the deal with the fork? She so went on to explain. So, you know, pastor, growing up in church, said we would have these, these church socials, these potlucks, and we would have great fellowship and great food. And So every time they would come to get your plate, they would tell you to keep your fork. And when they told you to keep your fork, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't going to be like pudding or jello. It was going to be like German chocolate cake or, or apple pie. She said, when they would tell you to keep your fork, you knew the best was yet to come. So as my body's there in the casket with a Bible in my right hand, with a fork in my left, said, I want you standing at the end of the casket. And when people come by and they say, what in the world is that fork doing in her hand? She said, I want you to tell them the best is yet to come. That's what we have to look forward to. The best is yet to come. Because of the provision of Christ through the cross and because of a place called heaven, we can say with confidence as believers that the best is yet to come. Amen? Would you pray with me? Lord, I thank you this morning for your love, your grace, your provision. God, I thank you that you so loved the world that you gave. 
You gave your son who was crucified, resurrected. And Lord, you said whoever would believe in him, in Christ, that one would have eternal life. Lord, I thank you that we can live every day knowing this, the best is yet to come. That we don't have to live in fear, that we can live with great hope because of your provision for our lives. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.